0: And we're back, episode two. Uh, two. You're in Sorry. the hot
1: seat. welcome. I'm, oh, thanks. <laughs> good, to, good to be back on
0: our podcast. Yeah, I was going to say you're not really a special guest. You're um, you're one of the regular hosts here. But <laughs> um, but but thank you for being on the podcast. Um, now today, I think we promised in our last episode that we were going to talk. A little bit about how people access medicinal cannabis in Australia. So I think as an overarching theme, again, I know we say this, well, we said this on the first one, we're not doctors, we're not trying to give you health advice, always speak to your healthcare professional, but really the purpose of today is just to arm you with information so that you can make a call on whether or not um, you want to pursue looking into it or whether you're thinking, "Mm, no, not for me um so maybe might, just to talk about it generally in fact even oh we could do <laughs> that what do you reckon might no.
1: also uh pay to give a little bit of background on us as well we didn't do that in the first one but we should probably do that in the second one
0: all right uh, all right should- we, uh, yeah let's let's launch into it i feel like my story is less interesting than yours so if you don't mind i'm gonna uh ask you to do yours first and then i'll um come in at the end and, and just save the
1: best for last though
0: yeah, that's true. All right. So, hi, everyone. Uh, my <laughs> name is Andrew. <laughs> um, I'm sorry have mixed things up. Um, I am a lawyer, a qualified lawyer, um, and I have been, I guess, working in this business with Mitch of Medicinal Cannabis for probably the last three years. Um, we registered uh, a company, would have been the year after there was the first legalization of medicinal cannabis in Australia which occurred here in Victoria where we're based um, but my interest in the field really <clears throat> goes back a lot further than that um, you know I spent some time in America and I got to witness what a free recreational and medicinal market um, looks like and yeah uh, I I guess it sparked a bit of a A passion and I'll let Mitch in a moment talk a little bit about his story but we kind of coalesced together in 2017 and we just decided why don't we um, get into this space a little bit more actively and fast forward three years and I would say the clear mark of our involvement in the space is the fact that we're now doing podcasts about it so um, that's uh Surely means we're taking it pretty seriously. So I'm going to hand over to Mitch and he's going to tell you his interesting story. And yeah, whoop do, doo, we save the best to last. So go for it, Mitch. I
1: was actually kidding, but thank you for doing that anyway. Um, yeah, I feel like you, there was more, there was a little bit that you kind of skipped over there. We've been pretty much best mates since high school and uh, we've been involved in various things over the years, but not business. And now we're kind of involved in a passion project that is cannabis. My, I come from bit more of a a cannabis history i've also studied quite a bit but i i worked and lived on the cannabis farm for quite a bit in in the states uh my family has been prolific in in the uh or at least involved in in the genetic seed side of things for many years and i've been around medicinal and cannabis otherwise in various parts of the world for my entire life um being exposed to the 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 growing and, and some of the secrets of the trade from the early nineties onwards, basically. Uh, so yeah, this definitely runs deep in the family. And then I obviously studied, well, not obviously, but I, but I studied um, uh, psychology at, at my undergrad and did a master's in commerce and did all the academic stuff that I needed to actually give me enough of an understanding to now apply this in more of a serious way, but it's definitely great to be working on a passion project. So I guess that's enough about our intros, but more importantly, what you want to know about, which is the uh, access of medicinal cannabis, Andrew,
0: the yeah, first port of call. No, absolutely. And, and I guess, you know, because there is that legal framework as there is in most countries, um, you know, I guess that's my native space these days as a lawyer. But before I do jump into that, I just want to give credit where credit's due, Mitch did spend a year. I mean, you brushed over it, but you spent a year on a farm in, I think it was, it was Washington state. So far Northwest. Yeah. of America, And you yeah. were what's four or five hours East of Seattle. Um, yeah. Middle
1: of nowhere essentially, but um, <laughs> that's where some of the best cannabis comes from, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a raised desert kind of area, the Okanagan region. And uh yeah, they spent a lot of time really honing the skills of uh, growing and cloning and planting seeds and basically, you know, working from the greenhouse, working outdoors, working to uh, build better plants um, or grow better plants and learning about you know the effects of sulfur and NPKs and all all that kind of stuff to make sure that you have. The sexiest looking plants because it's quite competitive in America, and you need those trichomes to really pop. And this might be a little bit of jargon for those of you who are just starting the journey, but um, you'll definitely get to to learn about that as we go along.
0: Absolutely, no, but I yeah, that, that's love that. And I pre- I presume the the horticultural feather in your cap complemented your. Commerce and psych studies quite well, and I feel like you've got the full suite to understand uh, the cannabis business.
1: I, I think I did more commerce and psych studies on that farm than I actually did at university, <laughs> but um, there <it> was, <laughs> yeah, it was de- definitely a whirlwind, and it was great. And also, extraction was was another very interesting part that, that I was exposed to. So very lucky to have had that experience. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can start disseminating some more information to people that is a value. Uh, but yeah it's slightly different over there in America. You can just kind of get it, especially in a state where it's legalized as opposed to what we have to do here in Australia, which is a little bit more, it's uh, um, the regulated. word. <laughs> regulated is definitely the word. That's the perfect word. In
0: of- <laughs> and it is a perfect segue to the access discussion because, you know, you're talking about this deregulated scenario over there with the recreational and, and to a large extent, the medicinal market. Whereas in australia you know nothing could be further from from that environment um i also feel like people listening to this podcast are going to be googling uh poppin trichomes right about now with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trikes yeah poppin trikes um so if you are uh that's great you'll you know, get Is that an expression pop and tri- <laughs> poppin trikes i don't know i will google that after this um this recording but um All right, so the access discussion. So um, nuts and bolts of it. I'm just going to dive right in here. Um, So in 2016, Victoria became the first state in Australia to legalize medicinal cannabis. And, um, you know, this came off the back of quite a lot of lobbying that had been done. Um, uh, Some people might be familiar with Lucy Haslam, um, who's quite a, a passionate cannabis uh, advocate Advocate. in Australia Mm -hmm. and um, there were plenty of others as well. I I recall just before 2016 seeing a really big push. I know that Fiona Patton, um, a politician here in Victoria was, was a big part of it, but it was, it was around. um, And the premier Daniel Andrews made announcements around access in the context of helping really, really sick people who, could, could be assisted with medicinal cannabis as kind of a last mm. line of therapy or, or certainly not the first line of therapy and I'm thinking kids who maybe suffered from uh, you know child epilepsy uh, and then we had um, you know cancer patients who needed relief from nausea um, when they were going through chemotherapy and, and people in palliative care so that's I say all of that because I think that backdrop is really important to understand that the only place that the government in the early days saw for cannabis was this kind of, you've failed at everything else. um, So we're going to now open the door to cannabis as, as your very last resort. So Victoria was the first state and what followed was a domino effect among the other states. And I'm not even going to try and, guess the order because i don't know <laughs> but um but all of the other states have followed suit and what the federal government needed to do at that point was to harmonize commonwealth laws uh, the narcotics act uh commonwealth legislation to, to ensure that um cannabis which was treated uh as a sort of prohibited substance in australia could be uh, permitted in australia for medicinal purposes to, to give effect to the states which had enacted access to medicinal cannabis legislation so uh that was where it all kicked off in 2016 and the i guess from the from the people listening to this podcast they're thinking yeah thanks for the history lesson but but i, just want <laughs> I was going to say it
1: that's not really how do i get it but it's not nice i know the no, no.
0: i i and the context though i think will shape people's understanding in terms of when they do go to see their doctor, yeah, it's you've good. got to understand the framework that you're, that, that we're operating in in Australia, because it is a very conservative framework comparative to other countries around the world. Mm. Um, you know, we are, I would say, proceeding with extreme levels of caution um, and, you know, Australia and it's the very responsible, it's very responsible. Um, some might throw around the term nanny state, but you know the, the idea is that we have a cautious regulatory approach because the TGA, our medicines regulator, in order to, to have medicines which are approved by the TGA, they need to prove safety, quality, and efficacy. Um, and at the moment, there just isn't the level of clinical research Um, Available for the myriad of um, what are termed unapproved therapeutic goods that are medicinal cannabis products in Australia to warrant those products being approved. So I guess I say all of that because if you're the patient and you go to see your GP and you say, you know, doc, I'm interested in trying medicinal cannabis for insomnia or anxiety. You need to understand that the... The first requirement is that you, you have to have failed at a more conventional treatment for that indication that you've presented with. Now, in terms of what are we talking about with a conventional treatment, we're talking about something that will be perhaps registered on the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods, which is our list of approved medicines. Um, so, an, an
1: example of that?
0: Uh, a, a good point. example of that. So let's say someone presenting with anxiety um, perhaps an SSRI antidepressant medication like Lexapro. Um, you know, you might have to have received a script for that, failed at it, or when I say failed, I mean it didn't do much for you. Or you might have issues with the side effects, notwithstanding that that yeah. was actually efficacious to you. And in those circumstances, the doctor there then has a clinical justification that you know that it can re- that that he or she can rely upon in prescribing you a medicinal cannabis product and i say prescribing because of course all medicinal cannabis products are prescription only medicines but it's
1: really really at their discretion still like it's not not all doctors are keen on medicinal cannabis as we have kind of seeing out there it's growing in popularity but but um it's still quite a discretionary
0: yeah uh,
1: drug i guess
0: and we're not talking about discretion in the sense of you know the recreational cannabis user going and seeing their dealer, and the dealer being like, mm, "Yeah, I just don't feel like giving you product today." We're talking about someone actually needing to understand your indication, what you know, your what your condition is, what your history of treatment for that condition is, whether or not um, you've had any bad side effects. Um, so all of these factors contraindications,
1: so other you know health considerations that might affect you know, whether it's actually right
0: for that person as well. And I think it's fair to say as well that, you know, the, I guess the level of information out there, or I should say the level of knowledge out there in the community um, in, in a way is parallel to the level of education that, that exists in the medical community. So you will have different levels of knowledge among doctors around cannabis as a medicine and, that's important because you need to understand that you as a patient might actually go to see a doctor and the doctor might be well-versed on conventional medicines for your condition, but they might not have ever had someone present with your condition who is seeking access to medicinal cannabis. Mm. So in those circumstances, you'd expect a doctor to be a little bit more, I guess, cautious in recommending that as a treatment because they have no clinical experience in treating that problem with that Um, medicine. So these are all things for you to consider. Now, are there ways through this? Of course there are. So um, the first thing you could do is you could go to see a specialist doctor who has, um, I say specialist cannabis doctor. So all around the country, since legalization has occurred, you're seeing these specialist cannabis clinics where the doctor's These clinics are experts in cannabis medicine and will have so it's
1: kind of like when you've got a problem with your foot, you go get a referral to a podiatrist.
0: Absolutely, exactly. So um, you know, that's a first that's the first step. So that's obviously take that removes potentially the barrier of um any, I guess, level of ignorance on the part of your doctor. I think if you roll the dice and you just go and see your local GP, you really don't know whether or not they know anything about cannabis medicine or indeed whether or not, um, you know, they're of a mind to, to prescribe it. And, and as, as you pointed out before, Midge, it, it really is this whole um, system that we have in Australia is of course, while it is prescription only, um, predicated on the doctor's call and the doctor's discretion, um, mm-hmm. Now, there is, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in subsequent podcasts, there is a push at the moment for certain medicinal cannabis products, namely CBD products with a concentration of 98% or more CBD, um, which are currently deemed scheduled for entry-level prescription medicines, to be descheduled to schedule three over-the-counter medicines. Which so would, what does that
1: mean? You, you're going to go, instead of going to the doctor?
0: You go to the pharmacy and you talk to the pharmacist in the same way that you would about other S3 products like Codril Original, um, Pseudoefradrin is, is the active in that one. Um, and you basically say to the pharmacist, I, these, these are my conditions, I've got some chronic pain or I've got insomnia and, you know, they, okay. yeah. Sorry. I,
1: I, I, I want to take it back a step. That's all great context, but I, I, for, the, for the average person, person out there looking for access to medicinal cannabis, I, I feel like we can distill it down into maybe a very succinct kind of step by step kind of Absolutely. process, uh, which, which might might be a little bit more helpful at this point. If you're just starting a journey, the first thing you do, I guess, is go see a doctor because you don't know, actually won't know if they're advocates or not, or, in, you know, feel that it would benefit you or not. Um, until you actually talk to them so that's the first thing right you go to the doctor you speak to your GP and you say doc, I've heard about medicinal cannabis is it going to be right for me? Do you know much about it? Is it going to help
0: Yeah and and I think at that point I mean the if you know presuming the doctor knows a thing or two about the process for prescribing an unapproved therapeutic good which, most medicinal cannabis products in Australia are considered by law. Um, The doctor will know that they will need to ask questions of you about, you know, what is your treatment history? You know, what is your mental health history? Um, Have you suffered any side effects? How long have you had the condition for? So these are just some of the questions that as a patient, you can expect to be asked um, as part of, I guess, the triage process to see if you are, Suitable for medicinal cannabis treatment. So that's the that's the first step. You go to the doctor and you discuss medicinal cannabis and in the context of your condition and, and history of treatment. So then the doctor is going to say either yes or no, basically.
1: So maybe we'll look at <laughs> what happens in both of those scenarios. In a so yes think, scenario,
0: yeah, I was going to start with the no scenario. Useful. Okay, go go to the no. Go and see another doctor. Um, <laughs>
1: You always start with a no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, if, if it is a no and you're getting the sense that, well, this is, you know, it's my family doctor for the last 30 years and he or she is just a little bit unfamiliar with this type of treatment. Um, it might be suitable at that point to maybe just say to your doctor, um, you know, do you know any other doctors who are specialists in this area that might be able to. Um, discuss this with me or alternatively you know consult uh, google or another search engine and you'll be able to bring up a a host of options and many will do telehealth appointments but they will in most cases need to interact at some level with your treating gp because they'll need to obtain copies of your medical history so that they can satisfy themselves about what your history is that's obviously not to detract from uh, the fact that maybe your
1: doctor is telling you that cannabis isn't good for you for a specific reason. Yeah, uh, I think we should delineate between the fact that it, that if the doctor is telling you, you know, no, you're at high risk for you know certain kind of situation. Maybe you're sensitive to THC. Maybe you have a heart condition that might interact in the wrong way. Um, that's not the case where you should really be seeking out. uh, another another point of view because your doctor is probably the most likely to know your, your status in terms of health. So, but if your doctor's coming across as more of maybe doesn't understand medicinal cannabis or isn't interested in it, I think that's more of the scenario where you might seek a a second opinion is is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a really good point. And that that's Mm -hmm. probably why when people have asked me, you know, which doctor should I go and see? I I do generally recommend cannabis clinics, because I think that whether the answer is yes or no, it will be a more informed yes or no, in my opinion, if it comes from someone that actually knows about cannabis usage as a medicine. Um, You know, if it is just the local GP, I'd be saying, go get a second opinion, not to, to take away from, from that GP's work, but, yeah, I think that it's um, it's important to do that.
1: Yeah, well, I guess cannabis specialists are dealing with it day in day out, seeing the kinds of people who respond well, the kinds of people who don't respond well, and, and it will really have a good take on on your you know position or susceptibility to adverse reactions or you know your your risk profile. I guess um, so. Maybe that's yeah, that's um, very valid. Absolutely. Um,
0: so I yes. dive into. Uh... The I guess once you've got the recommendation, so the doctor gives you the yes or no, and let's say they say yes, um, I just at this point, I'm going to give a very nutshell version of of what can happen because basically the medicines regulator in Australia, the TGA, has two streams for the way that you might access medicinal cannabis. So one stream is called the special access scheme. And this is where your doctor will basically submit an application on your behalf to the TGA to get access for unapproved therapeutic goods. So in this case, most medicinal cannabis products in Australia fall into that category. And it's done on a per-patient basis, and it's time-consuming for your doctor. Um, They have to basically provide the TGA with a clinical justification for why it is that you should be prescribed medicinal cannabis products and um, you know, about 10, 15 minutes, I'd say. Yeah. And, you know, practice makes perfect, but, um, but, that,
1: but that, that adds up when you're seeing a lot of patients. That's it's quite a lot of work. Actually.
0: It does. And, and I think with that, the TGA developed the second stream, which is called the authorized prescriber scheme. And this is where doctors of their own volition can make an application to the TGA to become what is called an authorized prescriber um, of medicinal cannabis products. And they basically have to demonstrate that they have sufficient knowledge about the way that medicinal cannabis can, can be used to treat certain conditions of patients that they have seen at their clinic. And The scope of what they are authorized to do by the TGA will be on a per-doctor basis, but generally speaking, um, an authorized prescriber will be authorized by the TGA to prescribe certain products for certain indications. So it might be product X, um, you are authorized to prescribe that without doing an SAS, special access scheme, application to the TGA, where you go through the nuts and bolts, we just, mm-hmm. we are satisfied that you have sufficient knowledge and understanding of medicinal cannabis to be able to just write a script for that product to treat a certain condition that a patient has presented with. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a faster process, but in any event, the fruits of both of those schemes um, are that Ultimately, your doctor will write you a prescription. Sure, that's a a no-brainer. But um, if you also were subject to a special access scheme application, um, your doctor will send to a pharmacy that is preferably near where you live um, a copy of the prescription and your special access scheme approval. So you have to wait for the TGA to give a formal letter of approval under the SAS. Or if they are an authorised prescriber, they will just send the script because the TGA is satisfied that they are permitted to do that. And do you want to take over from here, Mitch? Because I've been waxing lyrical a little bit. No,
1: it's good. I think you're nailing it. I would say that there's also actually the SAS A, but... Um, yeah,
0: that's true. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's a whole, whole other kettle of fish. But essentially that you can get... Uh, basically any doctor can can immediately prescribe you cannabis without having to wait if you are deemed to be uh, terminally ill and you've that something, is it six months, I believe? Or is
0: it yeah, I think it, it might be. And I so the special access scheme has three categories, category A, B, and C. I mean, it wouldn't be confusing enough if we didn't break it down into three sub-regulations. Um, <laughs> and don't I just love it? I um, actually do. <laughs> But most, most um, medicinal candidates, uh, I guess, patients under the special access scheme fall under category B. Um, now the, this is the category where you do actually need to go through a formal um, right to the TGA, make the application and wait for approval. Whereas category A is uh, more of a notice requirement. So the GP um, fills out the special access scheme paperwork in respect of a patient, but, It's a compassionate access. So you just need to give the TGA notice that, hey, Dr. Dowling, just going to roll with that, um, has decided to um, prescribe this person who has less than six months to live with medicinal cannabis and the TGA doesn't have any issues with that um, so long as um, that criteria are being met. Category C, I hate to say it, Mitch, but I've gone blank on that one. We'll have to- Isn't that the research one? I don't know. Let's um, we'll park that. I'll, um, I'll do a quick recap on Category C SAS app. I'm sure it's,
1: it, it's um, for research purposes, which doesn't apply to the... the I think so. I oh, could be
0: wrong. Uh, yeah, I sure.
1: mean... We don't really deal with it that often, so...
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know as much about Category C as I do about Category D, which doesn't even exist. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, but no, uh, so yeah, prescription lands at the pharmacy... And either Mm -hmm. accompanied by a special access scheme approval letter for a category B application um, or just the script itself. And by Mm -hmm. the way, I can just imagine that anyone listening to this who sources medicinal cannabis from the black market is thinking, oh my goodness, how many hoops do these people have to, uh, to jump through in order to legally obtain medicinal cannabis? And to those people, I would say, definitely that's true, but at least you do know what you're getting when you get it legally. Um, and that's not having a, a stab at black market. We just, we know that it's a bit of a roll the dice exercise. You, you just don't know for a lot of people. So um, let's, yeah, maybe you can take us through the steps that are involved once the script is sent by the doctor to the pharmacy, either with or without an SAS category B approval letter.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was actually just trying to do a little quick Google on the Sassi so to remind myself. But um, I, I was just getting a list of all, um, all the different stuff you can get. It's
0: quite, well, quite while you're doing that, I'll, I'll take uh, the pharmacy. So the pharmacy receives it. They're going to contact you and say, hey, we've received a script. Um, the pharmacy may need to, depending on whether or not they have stock of the product that your doctor has prescribed to you. Um, they might need to order that product from the manufacturer or the sponsor of that medicine um, and await for that to arrive at the pharmacy. But um, yeah, hopefully the pharmacy has the product. And if they do, um, then they, you know, will contact you as soon as they do to say, we've got it. You yeah, know, either come to collect it or we. You know, in some cases we'll mail it to you and that's it. But it's not over yet because of course your doctor will need to monitor your progress. So it's, I guess, customary that your doctor will say, all right, I am going to put you on this second line of therapy or last line of therapy, which is medicinal cannabis. But you know, it's not conventional. So I want to see how you're going with it. I want to see if you are experiencing any side effects. I want to see if it's working for you. Um, so let's, let's schedule a follow-up appointment in, I don't know, a month, a couple of months from that first consultation. And that is a really critical part of the process. It's not just a jump through all these hoops and get your medicine and that's that. Um, It's really important that you at least initially, um, you know, participate in that ongoing monitoring to see how it is you're going. Um, I know there are some proponents of medicinal cannabis that say that, you know, that that's a bit onerous and that, you know, opioid treatments like oxycodone and, you know, otherwise known as endone, um, don't require necessarily patients to come in and, and i agree with that i think that anything um, that has the potential uh, for a psychoactive response um, or dependency issues not that cannabis generally does but um, you know you really should be checking in with your doctor it shouldn't just be hey here here you go you know see you later um, so that, that that's a really big part of it too isn't it
1: yeah definitely and i just coming back to the SASE, i was getting confused with the uh types of imports um that you can do in australia with odc um SASC is the notification of use of specified therapeutic goods so it's not a, not actually applicable to cannabis um in australia that's why i remember it not being i was like SASC is i don't remember uh, okay. being a but um it, it's applicable for other medicines but not not cannabis so it's just really those those three ways at the moment. Um, and and so, if you so have
0: it's... another obscure medicinal cannabis regulatory inquiry, you can send a letter to, Mitchell, <laughs> please solve my problems, care of uh, Mitchell Kurtz, uh, your capital city. Um, no, but that that was very well played, Mitch. Um, I've got um, a few in the inbox, actually. <laughs> um, well, yeah. He forwards them to me because I'm the lawyer. So um, I end up dealing yeah. with it. <laughs> uh, do you?
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're, you're very diligent um so where were we we were talking about yeah the the follow-up absolutely and then obviously speaking uh, the the pharmacy part is interesting there's there's quite a few different ways that actually plays out um depending on the product you get i guess there's different farm different companies have different agreements with different pharmacies some will deliver it to basically anywhere um, you are at your closest pharmacy. Some only work with specific pharmacy partners. You have to go through their network. Um, we're seeing different companies kind of uh, involved in different capacities with how their distribution network uh, occurs. But essentially these days, and especially after now the COVID situation that we've had for the last you know, basically year, uh, it's it's much more frequent, much more common for you to just receive it in the mail from the, whichever pharmacy. Um, and usually, you know, there'll be a little dispensing fee on top for that um, and, and, a, and a postage fee. But but the convenience, uh, I think people are really moving towards that. And it, it applies to cannabis as well. You just get it in OzPost, I guess.
0: express well, maybe, yeah, maybe in the future, not so far away, we'll have drone fees that we have to pay. It's a little drop-off scenario Um
1: yeah, how how, how many uh, regulatory hurdles are in that one on, on all, all sides? Some
0: um, some level of interplay between the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, the Office of Drug Control, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the Victorian Department of Health. No, no, just a few government heads needing to have a chat about that one. But um, you're just trying to
1: flex your authority, uh, regulatory body, body knowledge. Um it's working. Um, okay. Is it worth talking? I think it's worth talking a little bit about um, the conditions that it's currently kind of prescribed for. But we might even save that one for the next, the next potty. Oh, that was what a good teaser, know. Mitch. Well, no, I, I like it. We've like given it. a bit of a teaser today on, on the, you know, I think the next one we'll talk a little bit about um, the types, the side effects, how it's taken, the formats, all that kind of stuff. I think uh, would be a great next little. Uh, exploration but absolutely I think- and,
0: and i mean the the tga publishes freedom of information data about what conditions they are approving medicinal cannabis treatment for so i might do a little recap i haven't looked at some of that information for a few months so i'll see if there's anything any new and exciting condition was an update popping I don't up not about
1: exciting conditions but it's <laughs> exciting that they might be being used for
0: those conditions. I was thinking of erectile dysfunction, but uh, but anyway, um, has it has it helped you or uh, not so much to be honest? Uh, I'm more about the conventional. Dream. <laughs>
1: you're, you're pushing through. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Not that way. Um, excellent. All right. Well, it sounds like we've got a, a great next podcast lined up, and um, something that's very interesting. And maybe I'll even have a few words on that one.
0: Yeah, yeah and thank you, by the way, for speaking. <laughs> we know we can ramble on a little bit and we go off on these tangents but um hopefully you're enjoying it and one of the things that we'll probably end up doing is putting in some uh, some markers about when exactly in our 58 hour video we get to the question of what how does access work <laughs>
1: so yeah that's probably a good idea a
0: little we'll, bit we'll of start doing that but we we definitely thank you for your patience and, and any time outside of these podcasts you've got any questions you can always contact us um our details. Altmed, Altmed. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah we just as you can tell we love talking about it so um, and
1: topics we'd love to take some 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 topics um you know suggestions on things you want to know about so as we start to build a bit of a base uh yeah definitely interact with the community a bit more
0: because that's what we love doing absolutely Thank you, Mitch. You're a fantastic special guest and co-host. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Listener on this occasion. No, I'm just a um, All right. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week for episode three. Thank you very much, everyone. Cheers. Bye.